0: Hello everyone and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain, six refreshing facts at a time. My name is Alex and this week we're doing a little reflecting and taking a look back at one of the most infamous royals of all time. Get ready for Mears and Bloody Mary. The historical timeline of mirrors goes something like this. Some of the earliest mirrors were crafted from polished obsidian by the people of modern-day Turkey around 6,000 years ago. Then Mesopotamia got into the mirror game by polishing copper around 2,000 years later, followed by the polished stone mirrors of Central and South America and bronze mirrors made by Indian and Chinese craftspeople about 1,000 years after that. Glass of course is the main building block for modern mirrors. But a glass surface alone only reflects around 4% of light that hits it. To up its shimmer, a metallic coating is added to one side of the glass. The process is called silvering, and while it typically uses silver for the metallic coating, hence the name, the term has become a catch-all for any application of such a coating, including aluminum, gold, and, before people realized it was a very, very bad idea, mercury. After the silvering layer, copper is applied to prevent oxidation and to ensure the majority of the light that hits the mirror is reflected and not absorbed. Lastly, a couple coats of paint are added as a protective measure. Everyone knows mirrors reverse any image they reflect. Right to left, left to right, right? Actually, the mirror isn't flipping anything. You are. In a Dear Science article in the Washington Post entitled, Why is everything backward in a mirror? Reporter Sarah Kaplan breaks down the strange truth with a simple example. Say you were standing in front of a mirror with three friends on your left holding green arrows pointed at the mirror and three friends on your right holding blue arrows pointed at the mirror. In the reflection, the green arrow friends would be on the right and the blue arrow friends on your left. So it's flipped, right? Now, think of that image from the perspective of the mirror. If you were to trade places with it and look at your friends, you'd see the green arrow friends on the right and the blue arrow friends on the left, exactly the image you are presenting to the mirror. Mirrors really aren't flipping anything, it's just a matter of perspective. If you've ever attended a sleepover, I'm about to say something that's bound to send shivers down your spine. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. There's a good chance you sat in front of a mirror in a darkened room and repeated that phrase in an attempt to conjure a spirit. Of course, it didn't work, but that doesn't mean you can't see some demons and monsters in the mirror if you try hard enough. In a study conducted by an Italian university, participants were asked to stare into a mirror in a dimly lit room for 10 minutes. 66% of participants saw their face deform before their eyes, 28% saw an unknown person, and 48% saw monstrous creatures in the reflection. The culprit? Satan! Just kidding. It's called the Troxler effect. Basically, our brains selectively phase out bits of information that aren't immediately useful in any given situation, including visual stimuli. Staring at a reflection for a period of time in a dimly lit room causes our brain to blur or even completely remove features that our eyes aren't actively focusing on, making the periphery of faces seem distorted and grotesque. Even stranger, our brains can fill in those gaps in the reflection with fragments of visual memories, including random people we've seen in public, or even the spookiest of monsters. Even though no one has managed to summon Bloody Mary in a mirror, yet, that doesn't mean she's a fictional ghost story. Bloody Mary was real, and she earned her nickname— although not for all the reasons you might think. Mary wasn't always bloody. Mary Tudor was born in 1516 and was the only child of her parents, King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon, to live past infancy. Her father, displeased at his wife for not producing a male heir, because that's totally how it works, sought an annulment from the Pope, claiming Catherine was incestuous from having formerly been married to his dead brother. Yes, that is a real sentence I just said. The Catholic king soon married Anne Boleyn, the sister of one of his former mistresses, but was denied an annulment from the church, throwing a royal fit He broke from Rome and became the head of the Church of England. In 1547, after several more wives and the removal and subsequent reinstation of Mary's line of succession to the throne, King Henry VIII died. He was kind of a garbage human being. Anyway, King Edward, Mary's half-brother, established Protestantism as the hot religion of the day and, before he died six years later, removed Mary and her sister, Elizabeth, from the line of succession again, fearing they would return the land to Catholicism. This opened the door for the king's Protestant cousin, Jane, to become queen. Before the new queen could really establish power, however, Mary gathered her own army and forced the government to declare her as the true queen. Jane, having only been queen for nine days, was taken to the Tower of London and executed. Queen Mary wasn't always known as Bloody Mary, of course. It was the battle between Catholics and Protestants that led to that moniker. During her reign, Queen Mary, a Catholic, had more than 300 Protestants burned at the stake in what are now known as the Marian Persecutions. That's a lot of death, and it's that trail of bodies that earned Mary the bloody nickname. But there is some historical context that's important here. Mary's burning of religious dissenters, while undeniably horrific and barbaric, was perfectly in line with the practices of the time. The bodies of heretics were commonly completely destroyed, in Mary's case, burning the body and then tossing the ashes into the river to prevent pieces of the martyr to be used as religious relics. But stories of the killings, mostly only the brutal and horrendous ones, became folklore for Protestants across the land. And while Mary's body count, 300, is gruesome, her father, Henry, executed 81 people for heresy and never received the same nickname treatment. In actuality, much of the reason behind Mary's moniker was due to her successor, her half-sister, Elizabeth. Elizabeth had dozens of people killed too, but here's the kicker. She was Protestant. So even though people probably should have been more concerned with, you know, all of the burning, most only agreed on one thing. Catholicism was worse than anything else. This sentiment is what solidified Mary's legacy as the Bloody Queen. To close this six-pack out, it seems fitting to switch from all the blood and the fire to something a bit lighter and boozier. The hair of the dog favorite, the Bloody Mary cocktail. To really dissect the history of the Bloody Mary would take an entire segment. Seriously, there's a surprising amount of controversy and mystery behind its true origins, so we'll skip to its name. Linking the tomatoey cocktail to Queen Mary I seems like it makes sense, given the drink's sanguine appearance. But it was Hollywood entertainer George Jessel who gave the drink its name. Apparently, while George and his friends were attempting to nurse a hangover with a concoction of tomato juice and vodka, some of the drink spilled onto the white dress of Mary Brown Warburton, a social and political leader, to which she exclaimed, Now you can call me Bloody Mary, George. Maybe. Maybe. That could possibly be drummed up for drama, courtesy of George, but he did have some sort of hand in popularizing the drink. That much, most liquor historians can agree on. There it is, a reflective look at mirrors and the fire and religious fury behind Bloody Mary herself, Queen Mary I. Now go whip up a Bloody Mary to enjoy and, if you dare, try to summon the dead royal in the mirror. Until the next six-pack of facts, as always, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.